Is you sick son of a bitch? We're starting off with a lie. All right, well, this is an interesting energy. Let's go. Let's go, homie. I am so excited. I just can't hide it. Let's say hi. I'm the Hello. Hi. I'm, I'm the I'm the I'm the gently used napkin at the bottom of your grandmother's purse, also known as David Baxter. And I'm that dried out meatball on top of your leftover spaghetti, Johnny Bartlett. <laughs> We're here to tell you about the humble choice monthly for September on October second. <laughs> because we are on time, as always. I mean, since we started, our episodes have come out literally the week the next bundle is tr changing over, so... At this point, it's more of a recap podcast than it is really a recommendation, <laughs> you know? Like, you, you've you already yeah. claimed it, probably. You're just trying to figure out which one of these games you're actually going to want to play. Which ones are worth your time. Yeah, which ones are worth your time here, bud? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we'll maybe we'll figure our shit out one day if, if we ever maybe. can do this full-time. <laughs> you definitely were ready early this week, and I was not. <laughs> yeah, but my games were hella easy. Yeah. So speaking of those games, I guess we can just like hop right into them or something. Yeah. This week we have Patch Quest. <laughs> you were doing it in reverse. <laughs> Threw you for okay. a loop. Yeah, you didn't throw it <laughs> We got Aces and Adventures. Who pressed mute on Uncle Marcus? Four Tales. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Deceive Inc. The Forgotten City. And Autonauts versus Pirate Bots. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. With Patch Quest, I <laughs> was thrown off because I didn't <laughs> normally. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> folks, uh, got him. <laughs> this first one is uh, Patch Quest by Lychee Game Labs. From to my knowledge, I don't think they've done any other games. Uh, published by Curve Games, uh, they did Curve. <laughs> they did Curve Games. You know, the thing that they were. I, I'm re reset, recalibrate. Okay. Curve Games has published For the King, Autonauts, Ember, Lawn Mowing Sim, Human Fall Flat, The Ascent, and a bunch of other like kind of double A indie titles, uh, a lot of which have been in the Humble Choice before, and who which we're going to hear about again later at the very end of the podcast with Autonauts versus Pirate Bots. Uh, it's so great because I just put C. David shit. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, there, there it is. You already heard it. <laughs> uh, this game on its own is fourteen ninety nine with an optional OST and Elite Explorers Pack, which I'm like ninety nine percent sure is just like a PDF, so you can ignore both of these if you don't care. Uh, it is very positive. Recent reviews and overwhelmingly positive uh, in their Steam reviews. Uh, the story here in the gameplay is pretty simple. You know, it's just like a bullet hell roguelike collectathon Metroidvania. Uh, the map, a lot of buzzwords. A lot, a lot of buzzwords. Let me let me break that down a little bit. Uh, the map doesn't change, uh, but your abilities do reset each run. Uh, so most of these runs on like this sort of grid map of patches uh, involve unlocking shortcuts from your house at the center of the map to make it a little bit easier to get into new places and new runs. Uh, and it's it's very much like a bullet hell where you're constantly getting shot at by like all different directions. Uh, but there's also like things that you can collect and capture the whole game. Uh, like for example, the, one of the main mechanics of this game is that you you can mount basically any many any enemy in the game. You can just throw out your lasso, uh, spin around it a couple of times in like a Pokemon Ranger esque mini game where you have to circle around them, uh, and then. 
you can capture the enemy and then use its abilities. And at first you only get like one ability, the more that you capture them and use them, the more abilities you unlock and those uh, persist throughout each run. Uh, so you can like, you know, suddenly it, like, like just grab like the, the enemy that you've, you've had before uh, a bunch of times and you can use all of his abilities. It makes subsequent runs a little bit easier uh, in that sense, though there isn't too much like progression other than just uh, unlocking uh, you you unlock as you collect more things at an explorer's level, which gets you like more upgrades between the runs, uh, which gets you new abilities. Like uh, there's this one really game changing one that you get early on that I really love, where there are fruits everywhere that you can collect to change the type of bullets that you shoot out, uh, and you can get a blender that you can pop all of your fruits into a blender, and then uh, you activate all of the abilities of the fruits at once. So if one fruit is like a a burst fruit that allows you to burst fire, and another is like a homing that's like a homing shot uh then it'll be like a burst homing missile uh and it's so effective and it may last like for a less amount of time but uh, if you're able to kind of constantly fill up on new fruits by finding them on the map uh you're able to like constantly keep up these like wild barrage of shots and uh it's very very fun and satisfying to uh, the rapid fire that big off. shots are pretty oh rapid fire big shots and if you rapid fire big shot homing is like just just dead deadly lovely <laughs> uh i i like in that sense just playing the game over and over and just like finding all the new little things you can experiment with in terms of like all the different writables and all the different all the different like fruits you can find it's just it's fun uh Mm -hmm. you are have like four different directions that you can leave from at the, the start of the game and my main objective when i was playing was just to unlock all the different areas but from there uh the game it's it's just about like finding all of these other areas that you can then loop around like there's these sort of dungeon e areas that you kind of have to loop around into that have slightly tougher areas or or uh, slightly different collectibles that you can pin on your little board which by the way after you uh fight enough things in this game you can just like grab any item on the environment and just like pin it and then take it home with you and i love that mechanic i it's, it's just so such a, cute it's so cute and it's so fun I I I'm a sucker for games about collecting things and just and the then they add the shinies that you can find too that just like ugh, they suck. Oh you yeah, in. like uh, there's these little like shiny orbs and like every run that you do your your stats reset. But if you find like little shiny things and you touch uh, a shiny thing, then it'll like pop out with these little like uh I don't know like Kirby Air Ride City Trial esque like power ups where you just like slowly incrementally increase your stats like writing ability plus uh defense plus speed plus uh and you just, like slowly that's make not even what i was better. referring to but <laughs> oh really what were you referring to uh the the shiny variants of the stickers and stuff that you can collect to bring back to you wait there are shiny variants i didn't yep. even realize oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah so there's like a lot of of collecting that you can do in this game there's a lot of of time that you can spend just like grabbing all the little things and filling out your little book and making sure that you've uh, ridden all the little monsters because you get a book that can show you all the little monsters and how many abilities you have unlocked for each of them and how many uh, monsters that you have uh, at least ridden once uh and it's 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 fun you can even take some home as pets too and then you can summon them in in the game as like a a a thing to help you fight in, in certain battles for a limited amount of time it's really fun and i mean other than that there's not much else to say like it's just a really fun roguelike uh it's very simple uh sort of like 
I, I would compare it a little bit to Binding of Isaac, although it's not nearly as random uh, in that it's that sort of bullet hell that you play over and over again, slowly getting... In this one, it's that you're getting further and further into this gigantic maze that uh, doesn't really change, but you can kind of constantly unlock little shortcuts. Uh, in that sense, it's, that's how it sort of is like the Metroidvania aspect. There is a lot less variance, though, than in this game than like a game like Binding of Isaac. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit repetitive, I'd say. If I had some nitpicks, I'd say that like you're going through a lot of the same areas over and over again because you're always starting from the house. And so because of that, you're often going through large areas where you've already pinned every single thing possible and so you're just trying to you know go through these chunks of content that you've already gone through just to get to the new parts of content uh and that that kind of sucks I, that's i think why a lot of people probably haven't completed this game all the way through uh and I, I feel like it's the kind of game loop that it's really satisfying in short chunks like just to pick this game up a little bit on like a steam deck and play a little bit uh, and then to set it down for a while. I don't think it's good for really, really long gaming sessions. Uh, but, I mean, it's fun. I, I don't know that there's any, like, crazy things to talk about, talk about here. I wrote down, like, environmentalism, entropy. I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, you find this often in a lot of roguelike games, is that they're either really heavy in the world-building aspect of things, or it's kind of a very facade of story and stuff that's in just service of the gameplay, the core loop. Exactly, yeah. in service of the gameplay. And that's 100% what this is. It's just the story in service of the gameplay. I mean, there's not really even much of a story to talk about uh when i was naming my i thought i was naming my character but i was actually naming the map so i'm exploring the land of pickle pirate p right now <laughs> uh, which is fun uh and and like there there were some small things like sometimes i would run into an area and like i i didn't understand the crystal mechanic quite yet that you have to hit these crystals in order for it to open up a path that's like in a couple patches away uh so i would like see this crystal hit it a couple times and then it wouldn't light up and then i would just walk away uh and that really sucked because then I found out later, like, oh, man, I could have gotten, like, a thing unlocked there, and I didn't. So I had to go back and redo content, and that's never fun. Uh, so I feel like there's, like, small things like that that could be a little bit tedious, especially if you're not paying attention. Uh, but I really savored this one. I like it a lot, and I plan to hop back into it. I don't know if I'm going to, like, fully complete this game because it is a little bit repetitive, but it's one that I'm definitely going to be uh, picking up from time to time on my Steam Deck especially just because it's a nice small file size so it can easily fit in there along with a bunch of other great games. Speaking of, uh, of other great small titles... Our next game is Aces and Adventures from Triple B Titles. Uh, they also did Pop-Up Dungeon and Ring Runner, and it was published by Cast Games, who did Bots Are Stupid, Landlord Super, Brunch Club, drink more glurp and a lot of other little games like that i don't know if i ever told you but i used to listen to the yog pod and i'm actually kind of sad they don't do it anymore because I, I was i was like an original watcher of the yogs cast kind of wild that they're they're just a publishing studio now <laughs> it is wild it's it's crazy what money does <laughs> crazy what money does huh this game will cost you 19.99 out of the bundle and it's a very positive game okay so the gameplay on this game is very it's a very unique uh, deck-building, roguelike card game. Uh, I There's some sort of like... Okay, so the core, the core gameplay here is that you have a, a deck of 52 cards, like a normal playing card deck. But you also have some abilities sprinkled in from whatever class you're playing. So the, the abilities give you the, the, the 
set to like modify some of your numbers or trade out cards in your deck when you draw them or like block out attacks you can change like a two to a four or change the suit of your card from a spade to a heart things like that really really simple abilities that kind of give you a little bit more control over the randomness of drawing from a 52 card deck of cards and the way damage and everything works in this game is it's poker hands so you draw a hand of cards and it's if you have a pair then you can do two damage one for each card in the pair essentially and the enemy gets to defend so they draw a set of cards and if they match what you play they defend so if they also have a pair they defend uh, but then the winner of that goes to the highest player. So if they play a pair of twos and you play a pair of sixes, you win and get to deal your damage. If they play a pair of eights and you play a pair of threes, you lose and they stop all the damage. It's uh, That's the core of the gameplay. That's really all there is to it. Is it's just drawing from a deck of cards and attacking and defending like that. Uh, you go through your turns, then the enemy goes through your turn, their turns back and forth, back and forth until you win or lose. There's uh, some like items that you can get throughout your game uh, as you go through your runs, where it's like, oh, this increases your attack damage, or for every like black card you play, you deal an extra damage, or you get to add an extra defense to your defending, things like that. Draw an extra card every time you defend. L little tweaks like that that kind of just let you bump up your damage or take less damage, but the core mechanics stay the same throughout the whole thing. It's interesting. There's not a lot. I mean, there's a lot-ish of story here, but again, it's that whole roguelike. It's all in service of the gameplay. It's really brief. You you start out, oh, you've been revived and the forest is corrupt. Uh, go make your way up the mountain to find a cure to fix all these animals that are walking around on two legs with axes now. Um, <laughs> so, like, that's kind of the, the gist of the story. And then you play through just like, oh, I'm going up the mountain to go talk to the prophet to find out what I need to do next kind of thing. But it's it's not a lot of depth in the story at all. And as a result, there's not really a lot of themes. Like, it, it briefly talks about some environmentalist stuff and, like, oh, the world is weird and corrupt and you're a dead guy coming back to save it, so go fix the environment. But other than that, it doesn't really get very deep. It's all fairly surface level. It's, it's a good game, but it's not... I, I struggled with this game because of my nitpicks on it. So, like... The, the, the things that frustrated me is the mechanics didn't feel good in any meaningful way. Like, mm. by and large, attacking and defending doesn't come down to anything other than having a higher suit. So it's really just the luck of your draw. There's no sort of nuance in it. Like, if I match what you play but don't have a higher suit, I still take full damage. So, like, if I manage to have a pair to prevent or that would prevent damage if my suits were higher, it's treated the exact same as if I had random nothingness in my hand. So even matching what they play doesn't do anything for you whatsoever unless you have the higher suit, which felt bad. It was like, if you're dealing three damage and I match your what you played, it should at least like reduce the damage or something. I don't know. Uh, it, it just like there were a lot of little moments like that and like even when you first play uh, the first time you try to play a pair of double like a pair of, uh, a set of pairs so like if you have two pairs so like two twos and two fours in your hand the game goes oh sorry uh, that's not a valid that's a valid poker hand but not valid in this game even though the instructions were like any valid poker hand is what we play this game with 
So they ended up like really all that mattered was like two of a kind, three of a kind, and like a full house was really all you were playing with. Those were like the things you could strive to get. Anything else like didn't really matter. Which was weird that, like, the game introduced the element of poker hands, but then half the valid poker hands weren't valid in the game. That is a little weird. A little off. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was kind of, uh, it, and it, like, it pulled away from the gameplay, too, because it was like, oh, cool, so really all I can do is just, like, let the randomness draw my cards and see what happens, and just, like, hope. The, the, hope and the pray abilities the game yeah the abilities you have weren't enough to really like fine-tune things they could tweak it here and there but it, it just like by and large is just a game of drawing cards like you're playing war more than anything the core mechanic like you can upgrade your characters which give you some like oh you draw extra cards or you know you can do a mulligan or things like that but it's like it's not doing anything enough to change the gameplay or give you any depth or real control or, you know, that sort of randomness that I crave in a roguelike where it's like, oh, I can do broken shit. It's like, no, all I can do is draw five cards and hope I get two twos. Like, <laughs> So that there's less of that, like, fun random element and it just feels like it's more of a dull random element where it's just you're waiting until you win rather than you're waiting until you get something crazy. Exactly. That's 100% a very good way to put it. Uh, and, and the game has so much content. It's insane. Like an artificial amount of content. I played through. So the, the way it's presented is there's like seasons, like four seasons of a deck of card, the spring, summer, winter, fall or whatever. Uh, and I was playing through spring and swear to God, there was like, I was on the 10th deck of progression in the spring. Like every time I did this, I was like, surely this is the last one for spring. It's gotta be. And then the board just like extends a little bit wider and there's another deck added on. It's like, fuck, how many springs do I have to go through before I finally finish this? I was on like round 11 in spring. It's, it was insane. And it just kept adding more. I did not feel like it was going to end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which I guess goes back to some of the themes in the game that are kind of non-existent with the way it's presented. Uh, but like the game gives you some like artificial choice of as you go through the deck of cards for the the world you're in or whatever you want to call it, the event that you're doing. There's some things where it's like, oh, you're at a mountain pass. You can go the long way or go the short way. And it's just like a choice there that, oh, the, the short way skips 12 cards in the deck, but you're fighting a stronger enemy kind of thing. Uh, so it's like very like lackluster kind of choose your own adventure sort of <laughs> esqueness. Uh, yeah, it's a good game. I did not. It was a labor for me, but it's a decent enough game that I can't not recommend it. Like, I I think it's an interesting alternative to some of those games like Slay the Spire and Monster Train. That like if you kind of enjoy those games. And you want to break from like, oh, I really have to think about this game and make decisions. This is a good game to switch to. That's like, it's just kind of, it's it's a game you can put on and do do while doing nothing. You know, it may not be my cup of tea, but I'm sure someone out there enjoys this kind of thing. I'm speaking of cups of tea. This next game is so British. You're not gonna have enough cups of tea for it, <laughs> folks. Uh, we have. Who Pressed Mute on Uncle Marcus, a FMV uh, adventure game here, folks. It is uh, published by Wales Interactive and developed by them, as well as Goodgate Media. Uh, Goodgate Media are specifically responsible for another game that we've seen in the bundle a while ago, 
uh, called Five Dates and also the recent Ten Dates. Oh, yes? <laughs> I... I was tempted to actually mute myself during this part of the review so that I would be talking, but you would not hear it. I I had that same brain blast, but I <laughs> we're, we're like, I would do the whole review, but you wouldn't hear it. <laughs> okay, but anyway, uh, they have, the Wales Interactive has also done uh, the Isle Tide Hotel, the shape-shifting detective. Uh, they're also responsible for the Maid of Skur series, but mostly they do FMV games. Uh, this game is fourteen ninety nine. and it has mostly positive reviews on Steam. Uh, it is, as I said, a full motion video game uh, where that means that there are like actual actors acting for you and it's real video cutscenes that you're watching. Uh, and it's a narrative adventure game where your uncle calls you uh, and he just lets you know right before your yearly quiz with the fam that, uh, hey, I'm going to die soon, like within the next three hours before this quiz is over. And uh, I'm going to, like, die. So you need to figure out who killed me and who poisoned me so that I can administer the correct antidote. Good luck. Have fun. <laughs> and you're off. You're off to the, you're off to the races. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting twist where the person who uh, has been killed is not actually dead yet. So he's, like, constantly consulting you throughout the night of, like, you've got to figure it out, man. I'm going to die soon. I know, Uncle. I know, Uncle. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm going to press mute on you, Uncle, if you keep bugging Yeah, at this rate, I'm going to be the one who presses mute. And which is funny, because he never actually enters the, the, the call, and he never. there's never actually a moment where somebody presses mute on Uncle Marcus. That never actually happens. The title is a bit of a lie in that respect. Well, I mean, isn't it like, I, I always assumed it was a metaphor, right? Like the idea of, and sort of in that pandemic era, especially mm. like online communication and the idea that like, oh, the mute is his actual death, but like the <laughs> only interaction with his family nowadays is over Zoom. So like the only, the and only you can't tell who did it. to death, exactly, yeah. is just like muting the person. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very true. And this is definitely a game that was made during that, like, COVID pandemic cycle. Uh, and it has signs of that where everybody is just recording themselves in their own room while they're doing this, like, family quiz thing, which is a weird setup. You kind of have to just buy into it. Like, everybody is, like, so jazzed to win. And half the questions are, like, put yourselves in the shoes of this small African child and think about what it really means to live. And it's like, what do you... There's no point. There's no point. This nothing. This doesn't matter. Why do you care about winning? But the, everyone does, regardless. And so you have to, while trying to sort of go through this game, uh, you, you choose like who you're gonna side with, and then who you're gonna like kind of question, and then you uh, choose if you're gonna like press and ask more questions, or if you're gonna kind of let them talk on their own. Uh, and you have to play the game several times in order to get all of the evidence and all of the information possible in order to actually accuse everybody in the game. So it's kind of like a detective game, but it has very limited options for actually who you are able to question and what you're able to say. It's really more just choosing all of the different options available to you until you've seen everything, and then you can make the accusation at the end, which gives you a little bit more story. Uh, like Each game only takes around 40 to 50 minutes per, per run, sometimes even less after you've uh, unlocked the skip feature, after you get at least one of the endings and you've accused one of the family members. And there is enough evidence to accuse every single family member. So each accusal results in 
uh, finding out more info about uh, the family and whatever secrets they have hiding in their life. Uh, the characters are as follows. We have Lottie, who's like the, the Gen Z social media obsessed youngest in the family. Uh, there's Toby, who's like the social activist uh, who's working in Africa, you know, on some like big rescue operation. Uh, there's Auntie June, who's like the alcoholic wine mom. Uh, the mother, I believe, to, to Lottie and Toby, though I may have to double check that. Uh, there's Bradley, uh, who's like the serial killer obsessed dude who like immediately comes off as like the most obvious suspect. So you know that it's not him. <laughs> and then there's uh, your mom, who is like this classical music enthusiast and like a complete classic Karen archetype. Like just the one that like everybody is just like. Like, they are constantly getting upset at everybody else, and everybody else is constantly getting upset at them for getting upset at everybody else. And it's a really <laughs> funny dynamic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Aren't it you is... missing a character on that list? Am I? Oh, I'm missing Grandma! You're grandma! I love my Nan. Nan is beautiful and perfect in every way. Uh, <laughs> I love Nan. Uh, and every interaction with her is sweet and, and funny and lovely. Uh now I have to get into the spoiler section to actually talk about the game because I want to talk about some of these endings here and uh, some of the some of the, the endings are the such. best part. <laughs> the following section contains spoilers for who pressed mute on Uncle on Uncle Marcus. That's not right. If you'd like to avoid them, please skip ahead to thirty minutes. Yeah. So, so you, you, you confront each of these people, and each one of them has, like, a different crime that they, they were hiding. Lottie uh, was doing a drug deal, and you find out that she was, like, doing drugs and, and dealing with other people uh, at this, like, meeting, family meeting that they had. Uh, Toby, you find out, is a fucking liar, and he's not even in Africa. He's in London in some fucking van in the middle of the fucking street. Uh, and actually, uh, his social work that he's been doing, uh, he opened up a diamond mine. And he's been exploiting people's labor in Africa. And he, he's not even a social worker. Hardly at all. Or at least he abandoned that a long time ago after he got into the diamond business and realized it was a lot more money. Uh, Auntie June. Uh, I forget what Auntie June did. I think she's just so sloppy drunk. I think that was her thing. She's, she just hates everybody and she's ready to say it. Uh, Bradley, his ending was like kind of, kind of a bit it was so dark it was, it was dark it was a lot he 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 like almost kills himself and then he he doesn't and then he ends up like desk firing and then killing auntie june like insane ending and then it just like credits great roll. ending on on the importance of gun safety though. great great ending on importance of gun safety glad they checked on that uh and then if you blame your mom your mom is just like you're such an idiot. I can't believe that you did that. You must be crazy. We're going to have to commit you to a hospital or something like that. <laughs> uh, which leaves only one person left. Nan! Nan did it! Nan killed him! So you find out Nan was the only person who was even alive for this crime that happened much, much earlier that was only briefly mentioned uh involving like the person who I, I believe he was like uncle marcus's like spouse or something like that or so someone like early in the timeline uh 
they ended up being killed and it was a cold case and nobody ever found out the killer or even knew that he was killed it was just an accident he left one day and he never came back and you you realize that nan was the only person alive at that time who could have even conceivably done it and you find evidence that one per from one person that she was around at that time basically disposing of a car into a lake and you know that it was probably obviously her so you confront her about this and you confront her about uh, the recent murder and she just admits to it she's like yep i hope i didn't want you to uh to find that out but yeah uh it was me i did it i poisoned uncle marcus Do you find out why I believe, God, I'm trying to remember the exact reasoning. I believe, like, it had to do with that original murder and wanting to cover it up, essentially. Uh, and it was like, she, she, Nan is like, like, there's a lot of dark secrets in this family, honey. I didn't want to tell you. I didn't want you to know. <laughs> and it was one of, like, the, the, the wildest twists. I, I guess you, you should play it yourself if you want uh the the full the full breakdown of events as it happens because it is really funny and it is really entertaining to see all these people get confronted it doesn't take too long it's about like what five hours to get everything if you're just going through it pretty quick so yeah uh granny granny was the killer kind of kind of a wild twist there at the end and i was sad about that because granny was by far my favorite character because she seemed by far the least problematic but i guess that made her the most likely to be the murder suspect <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh the, the themes in this are just kind of like about how people present themselves and how especially to their family they, they want to kind of show up a, a, an air of 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 superiority or they want to show that like they're they're kind of being the person that they raised them to be in sort of like a narcissistic way because every person in this family is an asshole narcissist every one of them in their own unique way except for bradley he's just he's just a little serial killer obsessed he's fine yeah, <laughs> he's just a little bit of a. He's weirdo. just got attachment issues. He's got attachment <laughs> from issues being and... raised in a household of narcissists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. And and it's also about like you know connecting with people over Zoom and and that kind of how difficult it can be to kind of connect with people and, and to get information that way. Uh, and also about like familial trauma. And how it gets passed down through generations and, and how like dysfunctional families kind of deal with that uh it's i mean I, I enjoyed that aspect of it but i will say that replaying it can be a little bit of a chore especially after you've done it a couple of times uh like even the skip feature even though it's nice it doesn't show you the options you've already selected which i think is a complete shame because i i swear i replayed certain segments way more times than what i needed to just because I didn't realize that I'd already selected it and I was just having to remember that all in my head. The game does a really good job of like knowing you have to play it multiple times and going, oh, here's yeah. a cool new mechanic to get through this a little bit quicker. But that's a really good, like that would have been a good feature to add in of like red text for the ones you haven't selected yet. Exactly. Because I, I all I care about, like it's, you only give me like two options at a time a lot of the time anyway. So like, just let me choose, let me know which was the option I already chose, please. That would help so much. Uh, and there are, like, small little plot holes. Like I mentioned, the family quiz doesn't really make sense the more that you think about it. I don't really get why everybody wants to win it so badly. I think that the only reason I mean, why they want it to win... I think that's literally the, I think that's the explicit reason in text, is that they want to win so that the other people lose. And that's it. <laughs> and there's also the fact that we never see uncle marcus's doctor at all ever 
like and he just gives him these three different like very specific anti-venoms which he, if he uses the wrong one will fucking kill him like what kind of a doctor would ever do that here patient you're delirious and you don't know what's going on here's three different anti-venoms choose one and one of them will be actually correct diagnose you but yeah like what the fuck and i literally went on to webmd on my first playthrough because uh, I didn't have enough evidence, really, to accuse anyone or know what the poison was. And I just looked based on the symptoms that he had, and I guessed correctly based on the symptoms from fucking WebMD. What the fuck is that doctor doing when I can fucking diagnose this guy off of goddamn WebMD, and he can't do his fucking job? I swear to God. But I savored this game. I thought it was pretty fun, uh, even though it had some weird moments and some, some janky shit. Uh, it did not outstay its welcome, and I would... Be love to try more FMV games from this studio, even though I probably wouldn't be playing this one again. I, I love playing it on stream. I will say there is a stream mode, which is nice, which makes it so that normally when you play the game, you have to choose one of the two options or it just automatically chooses for you. But streamer mode, I would even recommend for people that aren't streamers because it just allows you as much time as you want to choose these op each option, which is so nice if you're going through like a playthrough or like a walkthrough to get all the things that you missed. So much better. So much better experience. I almost feel like it should be the default. <laughs> uh but yeah that that was uh who pressed mute on uh uncle marcus a game about these these wild tales of deception speaking of tales what about tales if you could foretell them and know what was going to happen uh, in our next game for tales you can't <laughs> uh, this is a game made by alchemy alchemy wow i was trying to figure out how to pronounce that and i got it in one they did an anku transcripted and drifting lands or some of their other games wildly different games wildly different uh, and it was published by Dear Villagers, which uh, I, I moved this review up, and now I just have C. David shit, which technically I'm the one introducing these publishers now. <laughs> uh, but C. <laughs> David shit later in the podcast if you want to know what Dear Villagers has done. <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> this game will cost you $19.99 outside the bundle. It's got very positive reviews. And this is another roguelike deck builder. Whoa, who'd have thought? But it's got a more interesting choose-your-own-adventure kind of aspect to it. It's very well done and has some very unique gameplay. You you start by choosing, like, you get to bring three characters along for your party, and as you go through, you unlock new characters that have new abilities and stuff. And each character has its own little deck of cards and abilities that they bring with them. Uh, so, like, you've got one guy who's a thief who has, like, abilities to pickpocket and eavesdrop into conversations. And you got another dude who's, like, a big, tough brawler. So all of his abilities are, like, fight and punch things real good or intimidate people. Uh, very sort of, like, D&D-esque class-based, you know, abilities one might be able to equate it to. Uh, it's... And then you have... So you have your character abilities and then you have a set of resources, which is, like, food, money... Uh, your like moral morale and prestige uh so basically as you go through and make choices in your playthrough you either get more prestige or you get more like the negative if, if you kill someone you get this other i think it's morale or some shit i don't remember i should have looked this up <laughs> um so you get this other one. So basically good and bad points. <laughs> it's okay, dude. And I know for a fact that I got the family tree on who pressed mutant Uncle Marcus wrong. I literally <laughs> just double checked. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> 
so you get your good and bad points as you make decisions. Uh, and the game's kind of laid out. You pick a mission. You go into the mission. There's cards on the board. Uh, and you can, like, one card is the barracks. One card is, like, the town square. And it's got guards on it that you have to fight. One card is the prison cells or whatever. And so you can use any of your cards that you have, either your abilities or your currency, to progress in each of these areas further into the deck of main cards for this event. Uh, and so, like, you can fight the guards. Uh, and you can use your abilities to actually kill the guards, which then adds deaths to your death counter, which can have some impact later on. Or you can do things like bribe the guards to not have to fight them or use your prestige to get out of the fight or use your morale to intimidate them to make them go away. So you get this like dynamic of making choices with your abilities and your resources to kind of move the pro progress these events forward in, in whatever sort of dynamic way you want. And it's really cool. And they do a really good job with this because it's very basic gameplay of like, at its core, all you're doing is using a card to interact with one of these spaces. But each card you have interacts with it in a unique and different way that feels really dynamic and, like, you can play it in a bunch of different styles. Like, you can play this whole game without ever doing combat by bribing your way through things and, and using your, like, talky abilities to get extra prestige to, like, jump through different areas in different ways. It's really cool. Uh, or you can just go through guns blazing and use all your tough guy abilities to kill all the guards and just move on really quickly. It's it's like it, it's a really dynamic implementation of very set in stone mechanics. And they expand this out with like in the overworld. So the, the basic of the story is that you're the world is ending and you're an oracle bird that saves the day. Uh, that's kind of the gist of it. <laughs> there's a lot, there's actually a lot of story in this game. Uh, and almost in the narrative, you, you play as this little thief bird who steals a magic book for like some dude who hired you to steal it. And when you steal the book, it gives you the ability to see the future. Uh, and in that future, you see the city is entirely in ruins and ashes. Like this disease has corrupt everything. The, this fire has spread throughout the town. Everyone is dead. Everyone you care about and love has died. Uh, this is, I'm not marking this as spoilers cause this is like 10 seconds into the game. <laughs> this out. Uh, the game tells you the ending and then the whole game becomes preventing it, which is really oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you come out into this overworld and it pops up with all these like critical events that's like you have three missions to prevent this thing from happening. And so a bunch of other little missions pop up of like what you have to do and you choose those missions to try to prioritize. Well, how do I stop the miners from dying in a, in a fire or whatever? That's not a real event. <laughs> uh, so how do I stop this event from happening? Well, I can try this mission to go talk to the union leader and try this mission to go like uh, sabotage the strike, the, the corporation's anti-strike people, like things like that. So you get, you get the ability to sort of like influence these events and try to change them. Uh, which which is really cool, and that's how like the mission is laid out. And, and so you pick one of these missions. It gives you like your objective to do. You go through. Uh, you get the ability to rest as you go through, which gives you like it recharges your character's abilities uh, and has some like negative impact sometimes. Uh, but that's that's kind of the core gist of the game, and it's it's really good. I enjoyed this one a lot. Like the story is in depth. There's a lot of really good discussion about like class. Like you, you, your dad is like a striking miner, and you, you're trying to like save these like striking miners. And it's talking about like the working class. You encounter like poor people all the time, and you can either help them or like oppress them. And it's got a lot <laughs> My of favorite like, really thing to good do. discussion. 
<laughs> yeah. I love oppressing oh, shit, the poor. There's poor kids on the street. Let me beat the shit out of them and take their money. Like, <laughs> that's an option. Uh, so it has some good talks about like class and environmentalism and the impact of uh, the impact impact of like climate change on lower class individuals is like kind of like the core hook of this game, which is oh, great. It is interesting. I enjoyed it a lot. It's a lot of fun. This one was definitely a saver for me. I I want to go back and complete a play, full playthrough of it because like I was vibing on it. The story was really good. The gameplay is it's mediocre. Like there's not. A, a, a super ton of depth to it and there's no variance there's like no upgrades or anything that you get like the variance comes from how you choose to play it so most of the game is created through like artificial challenges that you create yourself because you can blow through the game really easy if you just use combat like the game didn't get difficult until i was like oh cool i'm just not gonna kill anything anymore and now it became a challenge of well how do i actually get and manage the resources to not kill things so there's there's not a lot of variance and all that comes through in a very artificial way but it's still fun and creating those challenges for yourself makes the game engaging and enjoyable uh i i liked it and if you like games like slay the spire and want a more like relaxed and sort of narrative focused experience that's not as as high stakes as those games it's a very good game it, it almost feels like dungeons and dragons it, it really it feels like you got like a little game master guiding you through the whole thing with just like real simple core mechanics to just kind of play a virtual D D. <laughs> game master virtual D D. well i feel like i'm having deja vu over here that's just like our next game uh tiny tina's wonderlands chaotic great edition uh is also included in this month's bundle it's kind of the big ticket item here uh, this game comes from Gearbox Software. You probably know them from Borderlands, but of course we can't forget their swan song. Oh shit, song. Gearbox made Borderlands? I know, I know they made Borderlands, but I they- I only know them for Duke Nukem Forever. I know! Duke Nukem Forever is everybody's favorite video game, and I can't believe that they also made Borderlands. And Aliens <laughs> Colonial Marines? Like, What? Uh, it's studio. Apparently they Only also bangers. <laughs> apparently they also made the Brothers in Arms games and Half-Life Blue Shift and Opposing Force, which I did not know. Fun fact. Uh but this is coming from 2K as the publisher. Uh they probably you probably know them from like the NBA games, Civilization, XCOM, BioShock, uh my personal favorite franchise of all time, Carnival Games, uh, and many more. <laughs> Uh, this game is $60 on its own, $80 for the Deluxe Edition, which is what you're getting in the bundle. Uh, it is on sale right now, though, on Steam for $19.79 base and uh, $26.39 for the Deluxe Edition. Uh, that is until uh, October 10th, if you're listening to this right when it comes out. Uh, it has mixed reviews on Steam, actually, as of the recent ratings, but uh, mostly positive reviews otherwise. Uh you play as a custom-made D&D character in one of Tiny Tinka's Bunkers and Badasses campaign. Uh, this was originally <laughs> released as a DLC you said to Tiny Borderlands Tinkas, 2. I'm sorry. Did I say, did I say Tiny Tinkas? <laughs> tiny, 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 tiny Tinkas. <laughs> tiny little Tinkas. Tiny little Tinkas. <laughs> tiny Tina from Borderlands, that character, the one that explodes things. So they're, they're the dungeon master, and they lead you around on a magical adventure to defeat the Lich King, who's played by Will Arnett. 
I could not tell you anything else about the plot otherwise. I feel like I my brain turned off completely when I started put this game on. To be fair, I didn't know that we were going to have to cover it on the podcast, so I wasn't really Valid. Yeah, taking notes like in that effect. <laughs> we played this like three months ago, just off the cuff, as because we just wanted to play like a, a fun little co-op game, and it did really satisfy that very well. It has a good vibe. It feels very much like an actual D&D campaign, but almost too much like that, because by the end, I literally couldn't remember a damn thing that happened. Uh, just like real D&D. a a brief little recap of the story do you do you want me to do that right now sure go for it you're probably gonna be better at it than me the following section contains spoilers for borderlands if you would like to avoid them please skip ahead to 46 minutes and 50 seconds Cool. M- minor spoilers here. Uh, the 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 whole campaign basically. You're going through uh, this world that Tiny Tina creates with this big bad Lich King enemy. That's like, oh, destroying everyone, killing the princess, uh, violently murdering people. Uh, to come and find out that later on, it was one of the players from Tiny Tina's old campaign that she had player killed uh, for like no reason whatsoever, and then turned that bad guy into. Wait, hold on. Shit, I fucked up. Yeah, no, you forgot something, didn't you? I just, re- no, I just remembered a, a major detail. A major detail. <laughs> it was Tiny Tina's character from another campaign, oh. I believe. Uh, and then she picked up the, like, mega sword of badass, super wish-granting sword of whatever, uh, and then wished that, uh, made a wish that, like, uh, she was powerful or something, and so I, I don't remember the exact <laughs> specifics. But then that character got PK'd as a result of making that wish uh, and became the big bad guy, which was like a big fuck you to the player for like trying to solve the problems with violence was like kind of the core idea of like, oh, well, if you want to be more powerful, well, now you're the, just the big bad evil guy. Fuck you. That's what you get. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, when this happened in the game... I went, oh, and then I shot yeah. <laughs> people with my shotgun like I did every other part of that game. <laughs> exactly. That was the big reveal. And then it, it ends with you, like, fight confronting the Lich King and then making the, the wish by not repeating the same cycle and, like, wishing for happiness and for the, the butt stallion to be revived and rule over the kingdom peacefully or some shit. <laughs> The wish that Tiny Tina had made was to wipe out all evil, which in turn had turned her character evil. An important note that we missed was that the dungeon master in Tiny Tina's campaign was Roland, which might have some sentimental value that kind of influences people's thoughts on this story. And everyone live happily ever after. Including uh, the Lich King, who became reformed. And there is a part in the middle of there somewhere where you do blow up the ocean. Oh, yeah, you do, in a very Mr. Tork fashion, blow up the ocean. Yeah. Uh, he, he alluded to it previously. Tork had always wanted to blow up the ocean. And D&D is his place to fulfill that fantasy. He gets to blow up the ocean as much as he wants. And then you get to explore the ocean bed. Uh, and the way that like the overworld kind of works is a little bit different than in most of these types of games. Uh, where instead of like having an overworld that you walk around in like in a car or something that it's like you drive around it's like a tabletop rpg where your character gets like shrunken down and their head is like a big little bobblehead like a miniature and you can wander around this overworld and there are little collectibles to find there uh there's like 
uh, extra combat encounters that you can find and then get teleported into, uh, or just all the different levels that you have to complete in order to get through the main story are also accessible from this, like, overworld that you uh, slowly expand out further and further. Uh, you can lock, like, shortcuts and then, like, areas like that are further on. You can unlock new ways to get to there. Uh, it's a very cute and clever implementation of, like, a typical mechanic in a way that really fits the game's ideas. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Uh, it's it's a neat little thing. Uh, I'll say I, I usually just got lost a lot of the time, and I just kind of followed you wherever. <laughs> you just waited for me to load us in. Yeah, I was just like, all right, Guff will figure it out. I'm just going to walk around. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, other than that, guys, this is just Borderlands. It's Borderlands again. But fantasy setting with a T rating. Grenades are spells, similar to how the special grenades worked from the original DLC in Borderlands 2. Sheds like a little bit of variety to the playstyle, but it's, I mean, it's just a spell instead of a grenade. It's not like life changing or anything. <laughs> uh, character creation is really neat because you get to create your own custom character for the first time in one of these Borderlands style games. Uh, and it is neat to be able to play your own. Though They don't really have too much of a personality outside of like how you design them. They're just kind of like an insert for yourself to kind of run around and do whatever. Uh, that I like the fact that there's dual classing and that l allows you to really, I really liked yeah yeah uh, to make whatever build you feel like works best for you, uh, and and that works really really well. I feel very akin to this game as I felt with uh, what was that other Borderlands on the moon, the pre sequel, the pre sequel. Yes, I I, I felt very akin to like it really felt like they, they took the game and were just like, we're going to try some things that like we've wanted to try in the main series, but we can't really get away with until we know they work. So they just kind of threw a bunch of stuff in this game that was like mechanics they wanted to test it kind of feel like, felt like. The the story was a lot less in-depth than the pre-sequel one, but that like yeah. I felt the same way playing the pre-sequel of like, oh, this is a bunch of like really interesting things they're trying to explore in a like n not high-stakes environment, it feels like. Yeah, it does feel very iterative, though, I will say. And I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but it does feel like it could have been just DLC for Borderlands 3, for how much different the gameplay is between those two games. Like, it's mostly the same thing that you're doing from each game, just a slightly different framing device and different, you know, abilities and such like that. But could, Borderlands 2 could have been DLC for Borderlands 1, I mean. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Borderlands 2 adds a ton. And the fact that, like this universe started in a dlc for that game that's yeah and also the story in the dlc was way better because it tied back to the story of the main game because it, it was about dealing with one of the main characters deaths and how like in they use trauma or dnd is like a, a, a lens for them to explore their own trauma and to be able to to feel out their feelings in a comfortable place to be able to talk about it and in that sense, I felt like they were trying to kind of riff on that again, but it didn't hit in that same way because you weren't having the, the juxtaposition of this is the real world and now this is the fantasy because it's just fantasy the entire time. Uh, and I feel yeah. like that almost takes a little bit away from it because you I... almost need to have the real world to make the fantasy feel more magical in that moment. And, and I think in that sense, I, I, it almost feels like, I mean, this game, I feel personally really captured a lot of like what D and D feels like. It yeah. felt like it, like even the storytelling and writing, like not to do it a disservice. It wasn't like, 
you know, I, I think it could be seen as like worse than the other, uh, like the other games, but it felt true to the idea of like, Oh, this game feels like someone is improvising this stuff that like they were put mm-hmm. on the spot to name this character. So they were like, Oh fuck. Um, uh, that, that's Mr. Mr. Uh, Fire bar, in bar, his pants, bottom boy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it had a, like everything in this game had a very improvisational D and D nature to it, which mm-hmm. I, I thoroughly enjoyed. And that was really fun. There are some moments of it that are that are really, really silly and fun and chill that maybe not super memorable because I can't immediately call to mind any of those moments right now. Uh, I, I, I think it's that, that, that kind of thing, though. Like, mileage may vary when it comes to any Borderlands game because the writing is what kind of turns a lot of people off from this franchise, I feel like. Uh, where it, it, it turns some people really on, like they really like it, and other people it's like, God, please, like, mute the sound and then <laughs> I'll actually the play up. the game. Uh, I and, and we get because it, you're it, stripping the flesh and salting the wound. Well, the the funny thing about that is that they can't even say that anymore because it's a T rating. They they yeah. because so a lot of this game feels a little bit washed out, and that transcends to the humor as well as just the general gameplay. Because in the regular Borderlands games, you shoot a guy's head and it fucking explodes, and there's blood and guts everywhere. And in this game, they can't do that because it's a T rated game. So they can't swear, they can't do blood and guts, and it almost feels like like the cynical parts of me wants to say that this game only exists so that they could have a T-rated Borderlands game and a T-rated Borderlands series. But Which is I, fair. It, it's fair, and I feel like that's maybe too cynical of a take about it because it is doing a lot of really cool, interesting things that the Borderlands games well, are not. But I, I think the interesting caveat with that is that, like, I, I think there is some place to acknowledge the justice that it does in doing that. Like the game still captures like the feel and the experience of playing a Borderlands game in a way that you could enjoy with your kid. Like True. if you are actually hesitant to introduce them to those like violence and the themes and ideas that are presented in it, this is really at its core, a silly goofy D and D game story that is told through a lens that is like approachable for younger audiences too, which is a very, a very admirable and interesting thing to do for the franchise of like a a lot of people who grew up on the Borderlands series, like people my age and your age are having kids now these days and giving them a means to like, Hey, introduce your favorite franchise to your kids now because we know you've got them is kind of a very cool thing to do. But it's, I I still feel somewhat saddened by this game that it doesn't go further into that like realm because at the end of the day, this is just a Borderlands game in a new shell. You know, like, I when I first heard of this game, my impression of it was that the weapons would be a lot different than they ended up being. The weapons just feel like slightly fantasy versions of, like, a shotgun or an assault rifle or a sniper rifle or whatever. And I just wish that they had played even more into the fantasy aspect. Like, one of the first guns that you get is sort of like a crossbow that's like an automatic crossbow. And something about that was really fun. And then I realized, like, oh, oh, they're just going to replace bullets with arrows, and that's going to be the whole game. I mean, <laughs> I think, I think in that that sense, it's it's really hard to do that in a franchise that already takes things to the extreme like that. Like, yeah. how do you make a sword gun when you already have a gun that shoots sword sword and swords in your franchise? Yeah. <laughs> like, they are like you have a you have a gun that shoots bees. Like, what do you do in a fantasy realm that's not already being done in their sci-fi realm? <laughs> yeah, so it, it might not be a super fair critique but it, i i still think about that while i'm playing the game 
It's also, valid. It's valid. Something else that I, I should mention, we did not actually play any of the DLC. Uh, in this game includes, or this version of the game includes all of the DLC. Uh, but from what I can tell, it doesn't seem like we were missing out on much because every single one, including the overall season pass, has a very negative rating on Steam. And from what I can tell, it sounds like each dungeon is just like not very unique and very like copy paste, and it just takes a long time to get through, and it's just repetitive, busy work. Is what it sounds like. When we were playing, I was looking into the DLC, and I saw that like most of the complaints seemed to be that uh, it was it it wasn't the scale that people wanted from like a Borderlands DLC, you know, where they add a whole tiny Tina's adventure. It was like here's this one sort of randomly generated dungeon that you can go through to fight this. one. It was adding like a uh, like in Borderlands, you have the typical like raid bosses that are hidden throughout the maps, you know, that you can fight. Uh, this game did not really have a lot of that. Uh, so to speak, and the DLC added that, essentially. And so it was like, here's a single environment with a raid boss at the end. And, like, maybe that's cool for some people, but I, I'm so used to Borderlands having such killer DLC. Like, I remember the first time I played the zombie island of Dr. Ned from the original Borderlands, and it just completely threw me for a loop. I was like, whoa, this is what DLC can be? This is, like, a completely different world universe it feels like it felt like a scooby-doo game with all the zombies and like shenanigans that went on in that dlc like the the borderland series has such a high pedigree for dlc i think that's part of the reason why it's so negatively reviewed right now considering the fact that this breakoff franchise happened exclusively because it was a dlc at one point so it's like we almost expect there to be like if you're gonna do that again then you i don't know like like people expect to see that that level of caliber and it just wasn't up to that stuff I do. I, I feel like I'm like jumping to the defense of this game so much, but like, <laughs> well, it, 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 um, <laughs> you did like it. Uh, I, I'm a fucking sucker for Borderlands. This it's one of my favorite franchises. The gunplay in this is game fun. is so fucking tight. Yeah. I just like I have so much mindless fun playing the series. I you could fucking give me a steaming pile of dog shit that's a Borderlands <laughs> game, and I'll be like, fucking yeah, is it Borderlands? <laughs> and do I get cool guns? That's all I give a shit about. But maybe, maybe <laughs> can I play with my me. friends with fun guns? <laughs> I, I um, played through like but, all of Borderlands. <laughs> I, I just don't love the Borderlands games alone. Like, I mean, they're okay yeah. alone, but it's just like it's I feel a co-op like you game. Need to have friends to make them have a hundred percent. I don't know. Like, um, I, yeah. But, I, but I, I'm a little bit turned off just because I've played so many hours of Borderlands. But like, I see the 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 game loop, and like, it's just you have to be really, really into the game loop. I feel like you have to also smoke a lot yeah. of weed to be able to really. It's, it's a really good. I don't smoke any. I don't smoke any weed. And it's a really. It's this, a good weed. This game. game Good the only game. other game that I can compare to that has the same sort of feel of a game loop that I love as much as Borderlands is is Destiny. Like, the, the core gameplay, the gunplay, the game loop on that game, I could play that game for fucking hours, too. But, like, both of the games I would only ever play with friends because they're co-op experiences. Like, do not... I mean, they're way better with people. Um, but to the defense of this game, one more thing I wanted to say that we didn't mention... Uh, is that this game was developed entirely in the pandemic. This was a oh, pandemic game. Oh, I forgot about game. that. Yeah, this the, is. Yeah, like they made this game completely remote. They did not work in the office at all. And it has received far less funds than any of the other B Borderlands games. So like this was like not just like, like you know, a cheap knockoff Borderlands game. Like it was made in a very specific set of circumstances that like if for what it came out of is phenomenal. <laughs> That actually does make a lot of sense. I, I honestly completely forgot about that. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, I, I, I overall this game was a saver. Uh, just with some small minor caveats, like the DLC isn't the best, and you know, if you're not a fan of Borderlands, you probably won't like this one. It's just Borderlands again. But if you are a fan of Borderlands, <laughs> give it a shot. You'll probably really like it. It's great. It's Borderlands. <laughs> <laughs> Borderlands. You know, uh, more more fun with others. Yeah, more fun with others, and it's a game that doesn't try to deceive you. It is Borderlands. I, I get the segue that you set up, and then I thought of one myself that I wanted to try to say. But... <laughs> You're just adding setup on top of setup, huh? You're just getting Double a nice segue little, nice for our next game, sandwich. Deceive Inc. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> uh, this game was made by Ka- 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 by, by Sweet the Bandit Ka- Ka- Studio. Ka- 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 I was yeah. trying to read their name and their studio <laughs> at the same time. Sweet Bandit <laughs> Studio, who did Coffins, uh, mm. which is a fighting game. What? Yeah, like Wait, a like a like a Smash Bros style fighting game. Well, I've like, never heard of this. What? I know, right? I mean, it looks not great, but you might like it. It's a fighting game. That's it's $5. <laughs> it's only $5 and it's the same characters, like the same <laughs> character models in the game. <laughs> Hold on a second. Hold on. This is this is a Smash Brothers, yeah. but all of the characters are just guys. <laughs> Ryan, sophisticated scholar. Kent, bodacious barista. Cap, uh, sassy swashbuckler. Bryce, what what does this say? It's just dudes. It's just Bryce. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally just like the Deceive Ink player models and everything. Like, God, what the fuck? (laughs) That's yeah. I thought you might enjoy that one. Thank you. I'm putting it on my wish list. Uh, published by Tripwire Presents, who did Killing Floor, Chivalry, Maneater, and many other games. It'll cost you $19.99 outside the bundle and has mostly positive reviews. Uh, the gameplay on this is it's classified as a battle royale, but it's not so much. I mean, it's very small for a battle royale. Like, we were playing duos, and it's, what was it, four four groups of two, I think? Maybe five groups of two? Uh, so five groups of two, so like ten people on this map at one time. Not like not a not like a hundred people battle royale, but still battle royale rules. You know, five teams drop in, one team leaves essentially. And you play the game by like running around in the map. You get a d- disguise to look as like all the other NPCs in the map, and so you run around as your little NPC dude trying to collect intel to get into secret rooms to g- get uh the 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 big intel the the the, the daddy intel <laughs> the to big get you daddy the, intel. To the, to the big room to get the briefcase to escape. Uh, that's kind of the, the core loop of this game. And so the goal is to, like, stay hidden as much as possible, get disguises from, like, the staff or the guards throughout the map so that you can get into secure areas and just gather intel and try to figure out who your opponents are. Um, it's class-based, so there's, what was there, eight different classes? Maybe a little more than that? I think a little more. They're Something introducing like more with each season. It seems like each season is marked with the addition of a new character. Yeah, so there's like I think eight base and two new ones from the last two seasons, something like that. Uh, and they introduce new ones, and each class plays a little different. There's like vanguard striker, uh, stealth dudes, like very sort of like Valorant rules of like each each 
person has a, a an arcing like play style that they fit into. Uh, some of them are more stealth based, where you can like turn invisible and sneak around and try not to get caught at all. Others are more like tough guys that have big strong guns and take a lot of shots, and so they can just like run around open and just like start firing at people. Uh, some of them are more like control and position oriented where you can like do traps and set up things to like try to figure out where people are and deduce who your opponent is and take them out before you're even seen with your fancy little sniper rifle. Little things like that. It's very, I mean, class-based gameplay. Uh, you, you've got two options to win when you're dumped into this map. You can win via elimin elimination or through capturing the briefcase and escaping. So, uh, you, we found that most games ended by elimination. I think two or three of the games we played actually ended by brief, like briefcase captures. Not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, it was hard to get it out of there, honestly. <laughs> because It's really hard to get it out. Usually it's like quite a distance from where you get the, the final package to where you have to leave. And there's a lot of choke points in between those two areas. So people generally will set up at a choke point somewhere and just wait for you to come by. Yeah, to the point where, like, even they'll just, like, choke you out going to the briefcase to try to get you there. Like, it, it's very easy to sort of set up traps and play the map of this game really simply so you don't even have to worry about the objective. And that it seems to be the way most people play. The, the objective only gets captured when it's like, oh, there's two groups left and no one knows where the fuck the other person is. So someone's just going to finally go for it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, there's a handful of different progression and abilities. You can get like a thing that can turn you into objects. So you can look like a chair. Uh, you can get, uh, like a hacking tool so you can remote hack things and not have to be in the vicinity of it. You can get a tracker so that if anyone interacts with the objects, you'll know that they did. You can get trip wires to show when people walk through areas, things like that. Little different abilities that kind of help guide how you want to play. But, uh, there's, I struggled with this game a lot because like one character abilities and items are locked behind progression. So there's a very clear gap of like who's been playing for a long time and who hasn't, because as you play longer, you get access to better abilities and better like equipment to use. So there's, there's that very clear, not only skill gap, but also progression gap that you have to deal with as a player in this game of like, Oh cool. Well I have, one object I can use going against these level 400 people that have, you know, fully upgraded characters and every ability in their arsenal, which is like, <laughs> that's, uh, it's not fun as a player to experience. There are so many times while playing this game, especially in solo queue, where I would just be like, how the hell did they know? How did they know? <laughs> how did they know who I was? They just knew. They just shot me. Yeah. How do they There's know? There's a lot of times where it just feels like someone's just like, I'm just going to shoot you. I don't know if you're the fucking bad guy or not, but you're close enough to being suspicious that I'm just going to fire at you. And every time we do that, it never works. It's always an NPC. It's never. It's always an NPC. I mean, thankfully, there's not too much of a punishment for killing NPCs. Like, you can kind of go hard and just raise your heat up and then wait a little bit. Um, so I can also see that, like, people probably are a little reckless in this game, which leads to winning can be lackluster a lot of times in this game. Like... Uh, you'll just like win by elimination and it's like I didn't even realize there was only one group left and we just like encountered this dude on our way to another objective not even the briefcase and killed him and it was like oh game over you win like oh okay cool uh, to the point where we won a game because some guys just like died on the map like yeah, I think they, they got killed, killed by guards other. and it was just like you win I was like oh shit 
Like, all right. We're nowhere near combat. We weren't involved in, <laughs> like, we were all fucking around doing nothing the whole Gathering time. And all intel. of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> yeah, the, you're the winners. And there's one. Because <laughs> some scrubs right. couldn't kill a guard or fell off a ledge. So, like, <laughs> winning can feel really lackluster sometimes. Uh, and, and, like, yeah, most games aren't even won by the objective. They're just won by elimination because it's just easier to go that route, it seems. Uh, and there's not much story. It's, you know, story in service of a gameplay. They do a cute thing where there's, like, intel files on all the NPCs, which is kind of funny. Uh, but it's just, like, generic NPC intel. And, like, all the characters have a little bit of a backstory, which you can kind of gleam uh, from the files. And from, like, they have some cool, like, Ludo narrative. Like, one of the big tough guys pulls out his locket to look I at was his, about like, to picture say. of his wife and child. So he yeah. does no damage while he's just, like, admiring his family. Chavez is really funny. I, that was my favorite moment yeah. of just seeing him pull out the picture of his wife and child so he doesn't get hurt. <laughs> it's real, real cute Luna narrative that also plays onto the trope of like the tough guy cop that like one last in job pocket in a serious moment. It's like this one's for you, baby, and then goes in guns blazing and doesn't die. Like it's very yeah. cute, um, very, very good storytelling through non narrative means in that in that sense. Uh, but that's it. There's not a lot of themes. There's not a lot of story. It's just it's it's this game was a saver for me. I enjoyed it a lot, but like I'm a sucker for hidden role sort of like assassin. Like this, this captured the feel of Assassin's Creed multiplayer in a, in a kind of way that I haven't seen a lot of these, like the ship games do. Um, I really love hidden role games like this, where it's like, I have to blend in with the crowd and try to be an NPC. It's so much fun. I, I think this game could do it a lot better. I think there are games that have done it better, but it's co-op and it's a good time for like, I just need a dumb little, game that captures the vibe of those games uh without having to deal with the shitty all these games inevitably end up dead and never played anymore because apparently there's only three people on the planet that like hidden role games so (laughs) (laughs) and then among us it's gonna die this game's gonna die but as of right now matchmaking's pretty simple like it's pretty clean it's not too hard to get a match uh there's people playing so like if it's your vibe, if you like these sort of like Assassin's Creed ship style games, you'll probably enjoy this and play it while it lasts because it's not going to last forever. It's going to die <laughs> just like all these games Damn. do. Dark. <laughs> well, speaking of everybody inevitably dying, uh, our next game is called The Forgotten City. And uh, this game is really cool. Let me tell you about it. It's by uh, a brand new developer called Modern Storyteller. Uh, they haven't made any other games, but The Forgotten City actually used to be a mod of Skyrim. Uh, and was reworked Whoa. into being a full release. I know. Uh, and also, if you ever play the original, it's actually much different than the Forgotten City actually is. So it's mostly a different experience. The main thing that's the same is just the framing device of once a rule is broken, everyone suffers. Otherwise, the Skyrim mod is entirely in-universe about like the Skyrim people. And this game is all about Roman folks. It's the full release version of this game. Uh, it is published by Dear Villagers, which I guess now I have to tell you about them because Johnny didn't. Uh, <laughs> they've done a bunch of games like Revita, Edge of Eternity, Scourgebringer, Fort Solace, uh, and a bunch of other kind of more obscure indie titles. Uh, this is $24.99 with an optional OST and Collector's DLC, which I'm pretty sure is stuff that you can mostly skip if you don't really care about it. It's just like a 3D print statue and like something else. Uh it has very positive reviews and actually overwhelmingly positive otherwise. A lot of people really enjoy this game, and for good reason. It is a narrative-driven time-loop adventure game set in an ancient Roman city deep in the center of the earth. Uh, everyone here lives under the rule of the Golden Rule. 
If any one person commits a sin in this place, every single person will be punished and turned to gold. So it's a game about learning about this city and all of its inhabitants and about this loop and trying to figure out how to resolve everyone's problems. Uh, and as soon as you arrive in this Roman city, you get to meet the person who explains the time loop and how it works. Uh, and you can immediately just start arguing politics with him. You can immediately start being like, well, I don't think that Roman ethics are actually that great. And he's like, what do you mean? Roman ethics are the best in the world. They're the single greatest achievement mankind's ever achieved at this point. And so you get to, you can tell that this game was made by a lawyer and it comes through in the writing. This is some of the best writing I've ever played in a video game, period. It has some of the best dialogue I've ever played in any kind of Bethesda adjacent RPG ever. The dialogue boxes are so well written. They are funny and engaging while also tackling really deep philosophical subjects like the nature of sin and what it means to be a moral person. Like within minutes of playing this game, you're talking with a Roman uh, centurion about like the meaning of what it means to, to, to sin and what, what sin means. And, and there's all kinds of really interesting historical details like uh, at this period in time, there's this new cult going around uh, that is starting to, to cause tr problems in Rome after the burning of Rome. Uh, and that cult is what we know now as Christianity. So there are a couple of characters that you find out are like secret Christians and they go to a, this area with like this fish symbol uh, in order to secretly worship their singular god instead of the multiple gods that they're meant to be worshiping as Romans. Uh, it's It's just so, so fascinating and... I really enjoy diving headfirst into this game. Tonally and mechanically, it feels way more similar to something like Groundhog Day than Majora's Mask, just to, to give an example, where Majora's Mask feels like kind of dire and hopeless, and a lot of the people that you save, you can't really save again on future loops. It's very sad in that way. Whereas Groundhog Day is almost more about like reveling in the in the beauty and the power of being stuck in this loop and being able to understand everything perfectly and be able to save everybody's lives, uh, so that eventually you know you can solve everyone's problems without breaking the golden rule or or, or find one of these various different endings. I'm not going to go super into detail about all of them until later. Uh, but yeah, you you can't do anything like stealing or murder or anything like that. Uh, unless the gold apocalypse gets triggered and if it does then the guy who explains the time loop to you runs over to the place where you started the game at uh, he kills himself and activates a portal that you then jump through to start the loop again over from the beginning uh, so it is just a, a, a fantastic brilliant little game there's even like different starting options that you can get like uh, i started as an archaeologist so i got to translate all of like the latin and stuff like that automatically and it gave me like extra little details and bits about the lore uh like there are certain really small details here that are really really well researched because this they, they were in contact with the person who's extremely well researched in uh, roman history uh, there are small things that you wouldn't even really think about like the carrots are purple in this game because genetically modified carrots that are orange only existed in like recent years and they wanted it to be as historically accurate as possible, so they have purple carrots in this game. And it will note that if you choose the archaeologist uh, disposition. But there's also, like, the soldier start, which might be my favorite start, because you just get a gun. You get a real, a real modern gun with ten bullets that you can use, and only ten bullets. You never get any extra bullets. But you can just walk up to that guy who starts that time loop. You just shoot him dead. Game ends. Ending one. <laughs> 
And the fact that it's like open enough to allow you to do those kind of things is just, mm. all right. Well, that might've been a little bit of a spoiler, but now I really have to dig into the spoiler section here because I, I have to talk about this game. There's so much good shit to talk about here. Oops, all spoilers alert. If you'd like to skip the spoilers for The Forgotten City, please skip ahead to one minute and 28 seconds. And if this gets rambly, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna go right off for it. So, awesome. So, uh, through the course of this game, after a while, you realize that uh, this city is not really a, a physical city, and the person who you first talked to when you entered here, she explained her name is Karen. You realize it's probably Karen, as in the, the fairy master of the dead, and the place where you are is the underworld, and you have died. Everyone here is dead. So after you figure that out, you have and you've solved everyone's problems and eventually you find this guy na uh, who won't share his name with you because he was originally meant to be killed in one of the previous golden rule cycles but he managed to escape death by hiding underneath in this like cave system uh and he's worried that if he, if he even says his name uh that the gods above will find him but you find his bed in the same area and it is an overturned wash tub which is the exact thing that diogenes the cynic used to sleep in uh, which is a really famous historical figure. If you did not know, Diogenes is the fucking greatest human being in all of Rome. He was just this homeless guy that would talk with you about like really deep philosophical things before masturbating in the middle of like the public square and then pissing and, and shitting and not taking showers. Uh, but in this game, you have like a Socratic dialogue with him uh, after you figure out that you're in the underworld. And he asks you a lot of these questions that sort of make you dig into your own questions of morality. Like, uh, he, he asks you, um, you know, like, what is it possible for any one person to have a moral code that is perfect? Is, is, any, is it possible for us to know what is right or wrong? And through the, the course of this dialogue, he ended up convincing me that people as individuals cannot decide their own morality for themselves because people will incorporate things that you didn't expect in to their system of morality like slavery you know like that that individuals themselves cannot necessarily govern themselves perfectly that is it is very difficult to know inherently what is good and what is bad even though that's what's being asked of everyone in this city by by the god in charge is essentially to like you need to know what's right and what's wrong on your own is, is, is what they want to, to sort of figure out. And uh, so I, I was convinced by this guy that society has to be made within a community and set within a community's rules that you have to, that, that, that you have to kind of set a, agree upon certain sets of rules together and that you can't do that alone, that you need the dialogue and the conversation with everybody else in order to make that where it's, it's very difficult talking about this game because there's so many like very intricate philosophical stuff going on here. But th this conversation that I had here with the old man really helped for the final moment of this game where after you have uh, talked with him, you find out that there's like these cities underneath the forgotten city that he, he takes you through. And right underneath the Roman city is a Greek city. And 
they had the exact same thing happen to them, the golden rule. And then beneath them is an ancient Egyptian city. And you find one of the city's only Egyptian residents is guarding it because he doesn't want you to go any deeper because the Egyptians had built this entire pantheon of gods. They had they made this whole book of the dead, this ideological system that was unique to them. Uh, and they considered themselves to be the best, most superior civilization, even though the Greeks later built on top of the Egyptian ruins and sort of claimed it as their own. And then the Romans came on after them and then said like, hey, no, we're the best. And then they built everything on top of their, their previous civilization. And you don't, like, like this guy, it's an interesting conflict because he doesn't want you to go any further. He wants you to say, no, this is the truth. Egyptian word is the truth because they, they want to be the one that's, that are right. But the truth is, is that it goes deeper than that. You go one layer deeper and there's an ancient Sumerian relic like an ancient civilization back in the Sumerian times that like this has been going on since then with the, the god Nurgle uh, to Osiris, to uh, Hades, to Pluto. It was all the same person. And it was just societies building on top of each other, constantly saying our version of society is the best. It's the most moral one around. And they completely erased the previous uh, society. And then they just repeat their same problems they, they they have the same golden rule that they keep breaking and you find out you eventually get to meet god at the very end of the game you get to meet him and confront him and the only way to like basically win the game the proper way is to convince him that he had never had any chance of winning successfully under this golden rule that he's opposing because he's like this alien that comes from another planet that is like a fucking superior race of beings that they claim to have like ultimate rule over all morality and like they they live in a society without murder without theft without any bad sin at all and so they they see humanity in their early stages and they make a bet they say I, i'm gonna make 1000 coins and any person that has this coin in their pocket when they die they'll get sent to the underworld and uh when they get sent there, we're going to make them live there for a year. If they can live there for a year without committing sin, then we will like leave humanity alone, because that means that they they can be they're they're proof positive that like humanity can live like us. But if they can't, then humanity is essentially doomed, and they abandon them forever. So so you basically have to convince God. Uh, this challenge that you're trying to do that you've been unsuccessfully doing for, what, 2,000, 3,000 years, it was always doomed to fail because you aren't telling them what is and is not a sin, but they're, they're, they're working within what they think is and is not a sin, and they're corrupting themselves. You know, even though people aren't killing each other, they are doing things that are extremely morally bankrupt. You know, like... So basically, you have to basically complete every single quest in the game and solve every single solution. And you'll meet people like a, a, a guy who has the cure to save somebody else's life, but he's withholding this life-saving medication uh, for like an, an absurd amount of money. And stealing it is a sin and it will cause everyone to be killed. But withholding the medicine isn't a sin. Is the actual sin, yeah. But like that—that's the—that's the morally gray area where this game is is really getting into some interesting philosophical arguments of like, okay, well, if this is a sin, and if this isn't, is that moral? 
or or is there a system of morality that goes even beyond what this this fucked up golden rule has imposed so you you basically have to convince this guy that the golden rule is fucked up it never would have worked because it's creating a corrupt system where people are are enslaving other people so that they can't leave the city they 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 they're, they're chaining them down they're they're you know causing other people to commit suicide in order to get out of their debts like these these are things that the golden rule does not frown upon so but but they're obviously morally bad things to be doing so you basically have to convince him hey you fucked up you never had any chance it's not humanity's fault the game was rigged from the beginning you would have never been able to do this. You would have never been able to succeed because the way that this was set up guarantees corruption. It guarantees failure. And so instead, you you're have trying to, to define morality yeah. based on action instead of consequence. And it's, you have to convince him that our modern version of morality, even though it is imperfect, is better because we have a societally imposed violence if you commit acts against the law. And if you commit acts against this this agreed upon meaning, then you will be put away. And, and it is the threat of violence that creates the society that we live in today. And that as imperfect as it is, it, it creates a peace that works. <laughs> and it, and you, then heard that, it, you heard it here first. Fucking David supporting the thin blue line. <laughs> I guess so. Because by the end of it, I was actually convinced. I was like, fuck, you're right. We actually do kind of need like some threat of violence in order for people to actually be upstanding citizens because people can't create their own morality for themselves. If they do, then they'll allow things like slavery to happen because they're just like you need to have a level above. The, the people to enforce those rules and then you have which to goes him, into like the modern day interpretation of this and the, yeah. the idea that like well the threat of violence is super archaic what we really need is a system and set of tools to report immoral behavior and and a a solution to correct that behavior that is not just a mm -hmm. threat of violence but rather results in treating the root that caused the immorality to begin with Exactly. And, and, and like, it, 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 this game gets into so many interesting philosophical places of like, can, is it even possible to know what's right or wrong? Can we even know? And I argue that we can't. I argue that it's impossible to know. And that's the game's point. And, and, and that like, by the end of it, you can even convince this guy that like, the people who sent him here on this bet in the first place were probably just trying to get rid of him for political reasons. And that the, the place where he came from is probably not so perfect as he claims either. There's probably lots of problems in that society that he isn't even able to see, you know, because he is so built into his mind that he's the morally superior one, just as the Romans were, just as the Greeks were, just as the Egyptians were, just as the Sumerians were, that they believed that they had the right view of morality, but that there can be no perfect view of morality because morality is so flexible it's and it's so hard just a system to, we've created it's a in system order we to create for the ourselves societal, pro societal problems that causes misbehavior to begin with exactly so it's like if we want to live in a society that like can function we need to have it even though it's fucked up and i don't know it's it's an interesting ending and then you also get the feel-good ending at the very end if you save everybody and, and you you talk with god and you tell him to fuck off he takes everybody out of the golden rule world and he brings them back to life in the real world 
and they actually start living modern in lives in the modern day. There's like a year long time skip and you get to hear what every single person is doing in the modern day now. So you get to hear that like the, the old centurion is now working in like the United States army and they, like, but there he's surprised that they're still studying ancient Roman techniques of war. He's like, we actually had it pretty right early on, but there's only a couple things I still need to kind of resort to now. <laughs> and like figure out now like he's wearing like camouflage military fatigues instead of this like bright ass bronze armor uh and you know like every character is just fun to see and check in with uh there's this the, the character who's withholding the life-saving medication is like such a uh, such a dick i hate him so much but he, he hasn't works for big pharma now <laughs> he hasn't gotten his comeuppance yet he's basically like hey man i know you're from the future so you you know everything because by the end you're basically like an oracle because you know everyone's problems and are immediately able to solve them uh so they call you the oracle and they're like oh you're an oracle tell me uh what, what do i have to do and you can tell them like oh uh invest in like all of these things that are going away like print media invest in tv invest in like <laughs> and you tell him to invest in that so he loses all of his money off screen after the credits roll uh so even even everybody gets their comeuppance everybody else gets to have a fun happy ending if you get the good ending and it's just the the the, the things that this game made me think about challenging me in ways that i'd never really thought about before in in terms of how to how morals even work and and it's just the, the whole idea of like building a society on top of previous societies and each society thinking that they're the, the best most superior one is so foundational to understanding how the world works and how everybody always thinks that they're in the right moral sphere but it's so hard to to say what's right and what's wrong it's I, I, I'm just gushing at this point and repeating myself, but I, I think it suffice to say that this was a saver. There were some occasional goofy, gl goofy glitches, some performance hitches. Uh, sometimes it's hard to find people when they're on their like daily tasks and schedules. But I mean, God, I, I completed this game. I 100%ed this game, uh, and I didn't have to. I just really liked it that much. I think that this is a game everyone should play. Uh, whether you're a fan of like Roman history, time loops, and philosophy or not, I think it's just a genuinely good game it takes if you were to take all of the combat or most of the combat there's a tiny amount of combat with like a bow at one point uh if you were to take most of the combat away and just make it a game about exploring the city and learning about its inhabitants that is what this is it, it is the the best parts of every bethesda game that i have played condensed into a little narrative time loop game and galerius fuck i didn't mention galerius galerius is the best part about this game fuck i love Galer galerius is the first guy that you see in every loop and galerius immediately trusts you he loves you he does what you say and he'll just go and he, he's the guy who at the very beginning of the loop you say uh, i want you to go here do this do that save this person cure his rheumatism and do that and he'll do it and he just does it so you don't have to do it every loop and every time loop game needs a galerius now I'm sorry, good mechanic, but yeah, that's that's such, an amazing that's such a mechanic. Good way to deal with that. <laughs> he is such a beautiful, perfect boy. And if anybody ever says anything bad about Galerius, I will find you, because Galerius is perfect, and I love him. Uh, that's all I have to say about this game. Please, please give it a try and find your love for Galerius, like I do. Uh, speaking of wonderful little NPCs that can do everything that you ask them to, <laughs> our next game, Autonauts versus Pirates, has several Galeriuses. In fact, an <laughs> army of them that you can control. Oh boy, my favorite! This is a game from Dinky Studios, who has also made Autonauts. Full stop. That's that's the other game they've done. Uh, and it was published by Curve Games. Uh, you can go ahead and rewind this podcast to David's review section where he mentions that. 
this game costs $19.99 and has very positive reviews, which is really interesting because, like, there was a bunch of people dunking on it because they were like, this was supposed to be DLC. Uh, so it, it got the Tiny Tina's treatment here, too. And this game is, it's basically a point-and-click automation builder. If you're familiar with Autonauts, if you've listened to our last review on the other Autonauts, uh, it's that's what the whole purpose of this game is to like learn to set up your automation and make your robots build and expand your world for you like that's it you're dropped onto a little planet you start with like three little robots and you can make them chop down trees and get you sticks and then you can use the sticks to make new robots and then the robots can go get you lo logs and then the robots can get you stone and then the robots can build tools for you and then the robots can pick up their tools and then go cop cut down wood and so like the whole game is sort of like here's a bunch of tools for automation and it's your job to kind of like figure out and dissect how to use them um i should have listened to my review of autonauts before i i did this just to kind of get a <laughs> just refresh to see of what i thought of the game what but you're I gonna like by and large <laughs> it's it's gonna be mostly the same i believe except i do think i mentioned that i didn't like the like lack of structure that that game had this one has a lot of structure. It drops you in and it's like, hey, here's a bunch of tasks you can accomplish and like here's tutorials that you can walk through to, on how to do those tasks with your robots that you can also just skip through. So if it's like really advanced, like simple stuff that you've already like started to do, like build a wood farm or whatever, you can just like yeet through that really quick and just get the rewards for it. But then if you're lost and you're like, well, I don't know what to do next, you can pop open this little menu and it's like, hey, maybe start a farm. And then it walks you through the steps on how to start a farm, how to program your robot to be a farmer how to like get then collect the stuff and use it for something else how to like take that farmed good and sell it you know so like it, it builds off itself and does a really good job of like here are the things you could be working to accomplish and the steps to do it uh, which is very nice i think that's a good inclusion in this game because it's a very easy game to get lost in because you're literally just like dropped on an empty planet with nothing but some robots and it's like cool where do i go from here uh there's not much story in here. It's all, and the gameplay is literally just like drag and drop programming. So it's super simple. Like when you click on a bot, you press the little record button and then the bot will automatically record any of the actions that you take from then on until you stop recording. So it's like, if I want this bot to chop down a tree, I can hit record and then go chop down the tree myself. So I don't know how to, need to know how to actually program that. It just learns how to do it from watching me. Uh, and then you can throw in, like, you can drag in little repeat loops or if statements to add some more advanced programming to your robot. Uh, there's there's not much story here. It's literally you're dropped on a planet, and it's like, hey, there's pirates here. Kill them. That's it. That's, there's no story. There's no themes. It's all in service of the gameplay again. Uh, you are playing with robots. That's what this game is designed to be. Just play with robots. It's, it's yeah, that's it. That's all, that's all there is to say about it, really. <laughs> Uh, there's some, like, you can get really advanced in the programming, and you can, like, expand your robot's brain to have more memory, to do more programming and stuff. Uh, the automation is set up in a pretty easy way. They have, like, a bot database where you can, like, upload your programs and then install them on other bots, too, so it makes it really easy to, like, oh, I need 15 bots that need to chop down trees. I can just, like, crank out those bots and then just upload the same program file to all of them and not have to redo that for every single bot. So there's some, like, really nice uh, quality of life stuff in there that makes, like, doing the automation easier. Uh, but in the end, it's just, you know, the game's not really my jam. Uh, and I said this about the last one too, I think that like, it's, it is a game that is like, it, it is too simple for the actions that it's trying to give you to do. Like you can do complex programming in this game, 
but all you're doing for this programming is making bots cut down trees or make you like simple tools or you know move things from one place to another like it, it, it's automating resource management more than anything and there's just like not a lot of depth for what you can do for that like it's only so simple like there's only so much you can do with that kind of automation and like if if i wanted to explore the limitations of what i could do with code i'd just do it in visual studio and not do it in a cute little game with robots like i i I, it's like my my skill in programming is further beyond than what this game can really do for me and so it just kind of feels like labor trying to like oh well i'm just programming the game to do this stuff that like it's not even doing anything cool it's just getting me wood like so it's it like like the Zactronic games do programming really like Zactronics is it feels like you're programming but you're doing really interesting things and completing objectives with this in like a a complex way like you have a puzzle you're trying to solve in Autonauts you're not trying to solve the puzzle you're just trying to reduce the amount of actions you have to take in the game which is it's like a weird premise to build off of um i do think the game is not bad it's not a bad game it's just labor for me i i found some value in playing it like i've been doing a lot of programming for work lately and so it's been nice to like visit for loops and stuff in this game and like oh cool i can like kind of tweak my programming here to get a better idea of like i can optimize my loops by doing it this way instead and then i like that's like translating into real world skills of like getting better at optimizing my actual loops and programming uh, which is nice, like, oh, I don't need this to be a forever loop, I can just make this a loop that is, like, until this thing is complete, which is nice. Um, so there's kind of some value in that that I found in in what I had to play this game. I think it's a fantastic game if you want to learn the basics and syntax of, like, programming, uh, and, like, how to build an if statement, how to build for and while loops, how to, like, understand code at a level without, like, with some immediate feedback instead of trying to, like, actually script from scratch. Like, this is a great way to kind of build those skills and understand programming syntax a little bit better if you have no idea about it going in, in into it. And it's an engaging and interesting way to do so. Like, I think this game serves a good purpose as almost educational material. Uh, and it is that same way as like fucking cool math for kids or whatever was like probably a great way for like you to learn the basics in in an engaging way. Uh, but it's just like, it's not my cup of tea with the skills that I already have. I just wanted a lot more complexity. Like I, I need to go play Zactron. This game makes me (laughs) want to go play Zactronics games. That's what, that's what it is. (laughs) You're like, I want, I want more complexity. Give me more. I, I want to be frustrated that I can't figure out how to program it, not be like doing it easily. Hmm. I see. You want more challenge. Exactly. And it's not a challenging game, but it's, it's got some merits. It's, it's yeah. That's what I have to say about it. It's Autonauts. Hell yeah. Watch trailer and you'll get a good idea of it. Well, uh, I guess that's it. We made it to the very end. That's it. We made it. We made it. Yeah. So, uh, what, what, what's your game of the week, buddy? You know, I really like the way you talk about Forgotten City, and I like the themes and ideas that it explores, and it would almost be my favorite game if I didn't have a dumb little cum brain that just liked shiny guns and shooting <laughs> things. 
<laughs> there's something about fucking Borderlands that just hits my ADHD <laughs> dopamine deficient rattled brain where I get the fun of like loot boxes and bullshit without putting any money and shit in. It's good. I fu- it's Tiny Tina's. I'm a fucking sucker for these games. <laughs> <laughs> but the way you were defending it, who would have guessed? but i do really like the concept of forgotten city and i feel like like the socratic dialogue and the themes and everything it explores and everything like god i i i I didn't even touch on like a lot of good shit about that game there's so much stupid dumb borderlands game wasn't on here that game you you would have convinced me for that game to be my game of the month hey hey it's chill it's my game of the week so we can we can (laughs) keep that easy we can have mine and yours we can enjoy both our lunch and our dinner We get vapid bullshit with Socratic dialogue. <laughs> Woohoo! Vapid bullshit and the, the most philosophically intense game I've played all year. <laughs> we created postmodernism with our choices for the week. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> uh, but yeah, please, please play Forgotten City. Uh, if I didn't mention before, the guy who made it uh, was a lawyer, and he quit his job after the successful mod uh to literally like from a a very high paying successful lawyer lawyer degree so he can make video games and god god i'm so happy he did because this is it's rules so hard please play the forgotten city and there are so many small like nice little things in that game too like there's a button that you can press just to follow an npc instead of having to manually follow them and like that weird bethesda way where you walk a little bit faster than them and then stop and then walk a little bit faster and then stop like, there's just so many small little smart things about that game that it's just... Mm. I can't believe that is still a thing we deal with in games developed in 2023. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But it's just so many small little smart things where it's like, God, why don't other games do that? <laughs> and also, just it's an incredible story, and I'm a sucker for time loop games. I love the concept of time loops in general. <laughs> Uh, the charity this month is Room to Read. Room to Read is creating a world free from illiteracy and gender inequality. They are achieving this by helping children in historically low-income communities develop literacy skills and a habit of reading, and by supporting girls as they build skills to succeed in school and negotiate key life decisions. So if you get the bundle, you're supporting Room to Read and helping us. <laughs> whoop, whoop! Hell yeah! <laughs> I, you know when you're about to phrase something that is is correct but sounds incorrect, <laughs> yeah. because like I was I was gonna and we can cut this maybe, um, but I was gonna say support the charity and you're helping women learn to read, which is what it does, but also it seems to imply <laughs> sounds... something really fucked up that I'm not saying at all. Well, uh, this just in Johnny admits that that he thinks that women don't know how to read. it's amazing how a sentence can mean two things in like a wildly different way even if it's not intended (laughs) hey that's just that's just the nature of language baby hey uh, what else you been up to this month i have been playing a ton of dead by daylight uh i actually managed to hit rank one iridescent which i've never done before which is like the highest possible rank for a killer in that game uh, I just kept winning and I couldn't stop, even when I didn't mean to. <laughs> and then I was also playing uh, a little bit of Deep Rock Galactic. I started Neon White. That game is so good. The soundtrack is so, so amazing. Good. It's such a oh. fun like speed game to like. I I literally will re- replay each level until and I get like the fastest time. It's and so sti- good. It's and, so like, stylistically themes. cool. Ugh. And it's all about like these fucking anime dweebs, which I can really relate to. <laughs> and uh, they're all trying to be tryhards, it feels like. And they're all just goofy and fun. Uh, 
And I also played a little bit of the Saints Row reboot because it came out on the PlayStation uh, free games this month. And I am saddened that Volition is no longer with us, that they that this was the game that was their death knell. Apparently, they've been working on it for a very, very long time. And it feels like that. It feels like a game from 2013 somehow, uh, like teleported its way into 2023. But it's it's fun. It's not the worst. I, I certainly miss the, the Saints Row character customizing aspect of it. I'm playing as this like badass older Texas sounding lady, and it all of the dialogue that my character says are gold. Like I just love the way that she talks. It's so fun. Uh, but it, it is like a very dated game. Like there's just random drug pallets scattered around everywhere. It's just a collectible you have to get. It's like two different gigantic drug pallets on top of some random person's roof that you have to climb up to and then pick up drugs and then you take a single one and then leave it's like what the fuck is the point i don't get this there's not a fit in all it doesn't even make sense yet. drugs are still cool it just doesn't even make any sense like why are there drugs everywhere and why am i only taking one what the fuck uh, there's a lot of weird shit about that game but it, i don't think it's actually as bad as a lot of people say i think it's a good decent time it's just not really it's it's a game from another era is what it feels like and also the writing isn't the best but you know whatever yeah, I Saints Row just doesn't work this, these days. Like Saints Row was good when it was like a way to parody the sort of absurdness of GTA and stuff, and like poking and then, fun at this game that's like we're some super realistic fucking crawl in the city of Vice City, but also yeah, hey, hey, look at my hookers in my car. They, like they had when, nowhere left Saints, to go after four, where they became superheroes yeah. in the present at the same time. Like there's just and, nothing and the problem else you can is do that like. That. The absurdity of the other franchises that it's been parodying has continued to grow, too. And, like, how do you make a parody of fucking GTA when you literally get abducted by aliens and catch Bigfoot? Like, and, like, the found family that's dynamic the shit in Saints this Row game, used to do. Like, because like, every person in your little apartment is, like, short on money and they're all working for different gangs. Uh, and so it's, like, a found family dynamic that is kind of fun, but I feel like it must have been lost over like four or five different fucking previous iterations of this game that they went through in the, the long ass period of its development. It just feels not great and sad because I, I used to love Volition games, but it's all right. And also I wanted to say, speaking of it's all right, uh, <laughs> I watched, watched the One Piece live action, which was very good. And now I'm back on the anime, which is a mistake, but I'm doing it anyway. Uh, it. I just finished Dress Rosa, which was the arc that I stopped at around seven years ago. That's when I, when I caught up last time, and now I have seven years worth of One Piece to catch up on. After that, <laughs> wish me luck. <laughs> That's all. I, I really enjoyed the 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 live action. I don't know anything about One Piece, but it sucked me in. It's a good. It's good. It's a good fucking yeah. The set design, I, the acting, moment... it's incredible. There, and it's funny because when I was watching it at first, I was like, man, this acting is like fucking subpar. I am not like <laughs> everything is so stylized. And then I was like, oh, fuck, it's an anime. They're literally acting as though it's an anime, which is so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, as soon as I reframed that in my mindset of like, this is not like supposed to be a Western show. I was like, oh, this is these people live in this anime world. It all like clicked all of a sudden. And I was like, these actors are phenomenal. And just the fact that there's a lot of extra world building in the the fact that they had to make real live action sets for all these different things. I read a funny interview where where Oda was like, they they asked me whether or not electricity existed in my world, and I had to stop because I never thought about it. I had actually <laughs> never considered whether or not electricity existed in my world, and I had to stop think about it. They asked me if cola power would, would work because that is a thing that happens way later. But he's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Electricity is there. Just it, it works fine. Just you can have electricity. 
And I think it's so funny that, like, these world-building aspects are finally getting answered by the live action. <laughs> and, and I love that, like, somehow it managed to, like, they've just never encountered a scenario where it had to be asked if electricity existed. Because that just, like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he went, like, what, 20, 30 years of long-form storytelling without ever actually having to ask himself if that existed. It's so funny. wild. <laughs> yeah, but uh, definitely recommended. Uh, but the Hell anime yeah. less so because God, it's so long. I swear, one of the episodes that I watched I... was like three minutes of content and twenty missions of pushing a thing. <laughs> I wish I could get into it. I wish I could. It seems good, but <laughs> it's it's rough. Read the manga if you can. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, what what have you been doing? Uh, I I started playing some Liza Piss. Piss uh, baby. Good, game. good Everyone... old good old. If you like. Yeah. Everyone loves a piss porn. Lo <laughs> Everyone loves a piss porn. <laughs> very good. I've been enjoying it. Uh, I'm not very far into it yet because executive function. It's a hard game to sit down and play when you don't have it. Um, did a little bit of Baldur's Gate 3. I still don't know if I like that game. <laughs> Real <laughs> hot take from the bu bundle bourgeoisie. <laughs> the game uh, that everybody is overwhelmingly positive about. You are lukewarm. It's not as good as Divinity. It's not as good as Divinity. Oh, and I just like the game just makes me want to play Divinity. Um, well, I'll have to play I, Divinity I just, sometime because I have it. Yeah, I think I I need a friend to play Baldur's Gate with. Is my thing. I think like that would that get would me help. Into it a little more. Yeah, maybe uh, I'll do a little bit of deep rock. Yeah, maybe I, I'd play it with you. Deep rock. Uh, did a, did a little bit of Deep Rock Galactic. Me and me and Fubar completed one of the holiday missions the other day. It was fun. I'm learning more about that game. I finally got past the tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Ceruleum Ultimate, which is phenomenal. That game has fucking consumed me entirely. Like I've been every time I have some free time, I'm just like, I'll sit down and play a couple rounds of Ceruleum. Real good game for that. Like you can just jump in and do a little dungeon, and it's 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 such a good creature collector that is like it does it's does. It is developed in a way that you could tell they were deliberate and like, this is going to get broken and we're fine with that. Like, there's so much fun in exploring, like, what fucked up shit can I do to push this game to its limits? <laughs> the best, the best. It's like, it's like just building combo decks in Magic without actually having to do the real work of building Magic decks, which is so much fun. That's it. That's all I've been up to. I guess that's all we've been up to then, huh? Wow. Yeah. Congratulations, we made it. To I started the end. watching Gintama. You did? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Is that? I'm <laughs> guessing EB is having you watch Gintama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> it's such a silly show. <laughs> that that show is very good. I watched the 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 finale with uh EB before uh when it came out, but I'd never seen a single episode of Gintama. I really want to catch. Oh up. wow, it's really good. <laughs> it's fun. It's it's a very silly fun show. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Get out of my house. Anticlimactic ending. Go Leave. fucking uh, eat, a, eat a eat a plants. Uh, walk some in the sun, and then lay it on David. your belly. David. David, I can't hear you. What? Yeah. Hey, I, hey, David, I think you're muted. Can you, can you hear me? Hey, hey. Yeah. I, Hello. I, I can't hear. I think you. Hey. Who muted David? Hey. Nope. Oh. Hey, he did it. He muted. <laughs> <laughs> he figured it out. The call was coming from inside the 